Hello there, welcome to episode number 14 of True Cult Pop. It's a music podcast. Oh, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's me, Stephen Hill. Oh, happy Christmas, by the way. I'm joined by my little festive friend getting ready to run down his festive look back at his 2022. It's only, and I mean it is literally only, there's no one else. It's just Sam Slight. No one else, is there? No, just me. I genuinely just thought you. you were going to say, it's my little rat. I genuinely <laughs> thought that's where you were going with that. But anyway, yes. Hello. How are Wouldn't you? do that to you, Sam. Wouldn't do that. I'm all right, thanks, mate. Time. I'm all right. Do you know what? I'm going to fess up because this is a like, Christmas show. It's the closest one we've got to Christmas. I'm going to eat a mince pie while we're doing this show. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. Exactly. Nothing. So. Maybe, maybe leave a, a two-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's a very good point. You know how much that angers me. It does. I'm interested. I probably should have asked you off mic. I'm interested at some point to find out what those bad reviews were. Because whenever I go to look at Apple Podcasts, I can only see like the most recent five reviews or whatever. It won't let me drill any further. It's like, oh, probably don't no, want to no, know actually. So yeah, no one's whatever. actually written. And there are no bad. There are no, there are no um, bad reviews that have been written. No, oh. there are a couple of people who've left one star. Uh, I don't know who they could possibly be. Daniel Riley. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Riley. <laughs> He'd be the main the one, na- wouldn't he? The now defunct uh, Ipswich Town fan and my main nemesis. Sworn nemesis, yeah. yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, those days are behind me yeah. as I keep bringing up. Uh, you all right, mate? You had a nice time? I'm very well. It's time? Gosh, it's been ages since last we spoke, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, mm. Pete behind the curtain there. Little, little Pete behind the curtain there. We're just basically reviewing. Doing them back to back. So let's hope that fucking Jimmy Page didn't die during the week. Yeah, fucking uh, hell. Yeah, unless yeah. he's, unless he's uh, <laughs> yet to be <laughs> discovered <laughs> by the maid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> let's hope not because we're basically doing these sort of back to back. Wouldn't be bothered to fucking edit that shit out, trust me. Uh, this week on the show, Sam's going to be counting down his... 20 albums of 2022 plus all the other things like best gig best song best ep just general good time vibes after i did mine last week do you know what it hasn't even gone out as we record this but i'm going to say it thanks for all your great feedback about my <laughs> top 20 yeah he says not yeah, yeah. knowing if there's been any at all i'm glad you're all so on, awful yeah. i'm glad you're um, all so on board with architects now after what's been a tumultuous year for them <laughs> it hasn't really like, yeah, but yeah, it hasn't anyway. really uh, go to patreon.com forward slash true cult pop at this point we will have our five pound tier look at rain dogs by Tom Waits will be out and you will be able to listen to that if you sign up for our five pound tier where you get two classic albums a month plus at this point I think we probably will have announced what the next classic albums are but we haven't actually done that as we record so I'm not going to go into it if you want to sign up for any amount for a, a your cult pop special you can suggest an album sign up for any amount suggest an album we've got loads of stuff over there so we would appreciate you doing that right do you know what fuck it let's just get right right into it yeah oh i should say as well um because it is christmas a little festive time uh this podcast is going out but you might get a little surprise christmas present from us yeah. on christmas morning don't say we never do anything christmas for you morning. You might get us talking about your favourite album. Uh, is your favourite album on Christmas morning. Yeah. One of your favourites. I know you listening. You love who we're about to do an album on. And there might be a little little sort of 
stocking filler in mm. audio form on your phone on Christmas morning. So watch out for that. <clears throat> anyway. Um, Sam. Hi. How you doing? Uh, how's your 2020 been in terms of... 2020? Well, we're not doing that again, are we? Fucking hell, I've had enough of 2020. <laughs> no, Jesus. Uh, 2022, sorry. Yeah, yeah. 2020. How's your 2022 been, just in general, as a... As a so music and personally, however you want to answer it. What while I eat this mince mint pie? Yeah, you snaffle that down. Um, musically, I think this has been. Uh, yeah, fuck it. I think this has been one of my personal best years for music ever. In no small part due to the fact that my horizons have been broadened so much by doing this show with you. You know, getting the getting the chance to end up doing this with you, uh, seemingly long term. I mean, we'll see. How long until I hit my inevitable breakdown? I don't know. But uh, yeah, I've discovered so much stuff that, uh, as, as I have often referred to, I have been kind of totally ignorant to, basically. There, there have been so many facets of musical history and culture that I am now discovering the Johnny-come-lately that I am. Uh, so musically, it's been fucking great. Um, I've had a great 2022 musically. Not in terms of actually seeing any live music. I was just looking through my gig list for the year. I reckon over half of the gigs I was meant to go to, I didn't get to attend for one reason or another. So that's a bit of a shitter, but hey-ho, it is what it is. Um, and personally, 2022, been fine. You don't need to know. So, you know. Just, yeah. If you want to know... It's none of your business. Yeah, if you want to know, come and find me. <laughs> Fuck that, me that's that's my that's challenge. Right. Come and fucking get me. And then you go, how was it? And I go, oh, it was all right. Yeah. Hmm. So there we go. That's yes. good to know. Yes, thank That's you. good to know. Thank you, sir. I'm, I'm glad. Well, well, it has been good, and I'm glad you've kind of enjoyed the year. I think it's been a really good year. We didn't really talk about this much last week, but I actually think it's been a, a really, really good year for music, kind of broadly speaking. Just, I think so, yeah. And I, I don't think it's even just in terms of for someone like me who is discovering all these things that everyone else already knew about. I just think the quality of the stuff we're doing or the quality of the stuff we're doing, the quality of stuff that's come out. I mean, the stuff that we haven't touched on, there's been some amazing albums coming out. You know, I've been looking at the end of year lists of various other publications. You know, uh, I look through the quietuses because I tend to, I'd say maybe, maybe 50, 60% of the stuff that they cover, I broadly enjoy to a greater or lesser degree. I look through their top 100. I maybe knew, maybe <laughs> knew 20 albums they talked about. So there's plenty for me to be listening to over the Christmas break. And, yeah, I think it's been really cool to see, you know, we, we referenced the Metal Hammer Top 10. I thought that was really strong Top 10. thought there was some great, great bands in there. And it just proves that kind of whichever genres you're looking at. I mean, I can't wait to see like Wire and DJ Magazine's Top 10s and whatever and Top 20s or however many what they want to do. I feel like, yeah, musically, the world is in a pretty bloody strong place. So, yeah. I mean, when I come to do my honourable mentions, I mean, <laughs> deciding this Top 20... um. I know ultimately it's really not that big a hardship, but there were so many albums I was like, oh, I really want that in there, but then I'd have to lose this and, you know, the back and forth of it and everything. I mean, my honourable mentions, I could have done another 50 albums that could have been in my top 20. It's been it's been a strong year for someone like me. But let's start Shout with... Shout out the enemy with... Um, oh, God, yeah. Uh, putting the Arctic Monkeys at number one. Oh, oh. and Red Hot Chili Peppers above Bjork. Idiots. Idiots. Wankers. Absolute idiots. Although, to be fair... Shouldn't be allowed to I'd, do anything. Yeah, just so don't. put Turn your phone off so you won't enjoy it properly if you're not paying attention. You won't enjoy it properly, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, won't. I mean, I must say, I, I know it's, you know, 
it's a well tr- well trodden path to be like oh enemy oh they got that wrong haven't they i think it's less egregious than <laughs> revolver putting the devil wears prada above greg pucciato oh fuck oh me got that badly wrong anyway anyway, anyway yeah. let's talk about good things shall we so my gigs of the year i've been to some smashing gigs when i have been able to attend them this year quite a few honorable mentions um finally got to see my first full indoor coheed and cambria show because due to circumstance the other two times i've been to see them things have gone drastically wrong so i haven't seen the whole set saw the whole set at art tangent but seeing them indoors at rock city in nottingham uh it was absolutely glorious and i just screamed my little head off for the best part of an hour to them because they've got so many bangers and loved that for me Uh, i like trains as i reviewed last week i thought was absolutely spectacular that would probably (laughs) probably just about get like the sixth place of my top five so to speak um the bug wonderful had such Mm. a good time there um need to try and sort of engineer a way in which i can get myself over to any of his mainland european shows because my god that was a lot of fun need to see that again um disappointment gig of the year actually just sort of off the top of my head went to see Ramstein at coventry and it is one of the most unpleasant gig experiences i've ever had the crowd there were really there was a pocket sort of where we were standing where there were maybe like 20 or 30 people around us where it was very palpable you could tell that kind of everyone else in the surrounding area it was ready to kick off at any minute and to be fair about the third song in, uh, two blokes did have a genuine like fist fight brawl, and it took ages for them to get ejected. So that was a disappointment, which is a shame. It's because... funny you mentioned that, right? Because yeah. when I went to see Ramstein at Milton Keynes, the bloody some bloke tried to rob someone's phone, and he got chased into the crowd, and then he ended up getting beaten up and then dragged out. It was a bit. I was like, that's a bit much within the first in the first song. Yeah, unbelievable. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Ramstein in stadiums. It seems to be attracting people who don't know how to behave themselves. So, but anyway, anyway. So that was disappointing. I mean, it's you know, it's Ramstein. Still really, really good. Uh, I've that was the tenth time I've seen him. I'd say it's comfortably my least favourite, but that wasn't necessarily down to them. That was the atmosphere of the crowd. However, didn't really need to go into the disappointing ones because let's do my five favourites now. It wouldn't be a Stephen Hill based podcast if there wasn't another tool live review would it (laughs) no no (laughs) so uh yes tool at the o2 i went to the first night of tools o2 show um and it was absolutely spectacular as you said uh the way that danny carey is that is the sort of the center point of of the entire tool live experience being you know very much center stage and well geographically in every sense you know he's not center back he is just right there plonked in the middle holding it all together um justin chancellor's bass tone is one of the best things ever i think i think justin if if i could be anything when i grow up it would be justin chancellor's bass tone (laughs) it's just absolutely superb i love that man dearly and this year i think i've realized he is my favorite bass player um I've, i've moved away from the kind of school of les claypool and stuff like that and i've been beginning to appreciate people like peter hook a lot a lot more and i've always loved joy division but really appreciate his base work and kind of simple but effective quite sparse stuff and he toes a line between that simple pounding low end that just rumbles through your gut and then also the intricacies of something like the grudge when they did the grudge um <laughs> my friend who i went to go and see them with he's been into tool for even longer than me but he'd not had the chance to see them at all he couldn't make download in 2019 and obviously uh, well, he's a couple of years younger than me. So the last time they would have played in the UK, I think he would have been about nine. So uh, 
been a long time coming for him, long time coming wow. for me as well. Uh, and even though I knew the set list going in, they they played the grudge, and I believe my exact words were, no, 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 fucking behave, no, you can't do that, no, oh my God, because I love that song so much. Um, I thought it were on great form. Really, really yeah. loved hearing the Fear Inoculum stuff, and uh, as you said, you know, I think it really comes alive in the live environment, although... I would not say Fear Inoculum is my least favourite Tool album. Um, I'd... It's quite hard to separate them apart from the top two, really, which is obviously Enema and Tool. Um, mm. uh, Enema and Tool. Enema and Lateralis, sorry. Um, but I'd probably have Fear Inoculum as my third favourite Tool album. I'd have it over 10,000 Days and under two, Undertow just. But there's not loads in it. The reason Tool are only my fifth favourite of the year, though, is I have seen them. Uh, at their own show once before i saw them um before they got announced for download they announced some european dates in 2019 so i went to prague for about 24 hours to go and see that gig do you want to know what the set list was for that one? Oh bloody hell what are you bringing this up for now why because it just shows... just, just annoy you yeah go on showing yeah, off crikey okay. showing off on something from fucking three years ago go well, on well i haven't been here for the last three years have I? i've got to catch <laughs> up <laughs> okay go on okay Enema, the pot, Powerball, Parabola, Descending, before it was out, Schism, with Extended Bridge, apparently, Invincible, Intolerance, Jambi, 46 and 2, uh, then they, you know, did the fuck around with Chocolate Chip Trip, Vicarious, Stink Fist. So, if I'm comparing oh. tool gigs, it's like, the one this year, spectacular as it was, is never going to be my favourite, purely by virtue of the first time I saw them being that. So, number five is tool. Number. That's kind of low, pretty low, you know, considering it is tall and they are that band. Uh, you know, I mean, I thought four was pretty low as well, but for me, yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, good year. It was a tough one, to be honest. My my five and four, I'd say, are pretty interchangeable. My top three, however, they are absolutely nailed on. My number four is Clipping at the Dome. Mm. Um, as we said in the review, um, I suppose... <laughs> In terms of stage show, the absolute inverse of Tool, where it is purely the focus on the three members of Clipping. There's not anything by sort of way of any mad production. There's no real bells and whistles going on when we saw them. It's just three insanely talented gentlemen. Um, I mean, performing you, say the... The th you say the three members of Clipping. You mean the one? I mean, I really, do mean, I do mean the one. But I don't, I don't want to <laughs> undermine um, Jonathan Snipes no, and no, Brian no. Hudson's incredible contributions because the way they were doing that live programming was staggering and it sounded so brilliant. As I said when we reviewed our respective shows, it's the best sound I've ever heard in that venue. It was absolutely colossal. Like it, it didn't feel like it could be contained by a five hundred cap venue. And yeah, at once also felt intimate because it was an intimate show. It was absolutely staggering. David Diggs is the most talented person I've ever seen on a stage. And I've just wanged on about how I want to be Justin Chancellor's bass tone. That's how good David Diggs is. Absolutely incredible. Did not miss. Uh, didn't even pause for breath, seemingly, in between going through these incredibly complex um, rhythmical and lyrical passages. And then, you know, having kind of, I don't know, quite sort of affable banter with the crowd in between. Absolutely staggering. So good. So yeah. good. Those two, I'd say, could be interchangeable. These next three, I would say, are three of the best gigs I have ever been to. So my number three. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It's been okay. a good year for me in terms of live gigs, mm. in terms of the ones I've got to. Now, you might bulk when I say this is one of my favourite gigs I've ever been to. 
but I have never been in a room so joyous and I will never see a band or this band in this room or a room this size again because Turnstile at the Roundhouse was oh. one of one of the most glorious things I've ever seen. I cannot believe that I didn't mention that last week. I cannot believe. I mean, when I said like Idols was great at the, you know, that was like my first one back and then Turnstile came along. Oh yeah, I cannot believe I've forgotten that. That's how good this year's been for gigs because yeah, that that was fucking amazing. It's been, it was fucking brilliant, mate. I mean, 23 songs, um, barely a moment to breathe, but it was, you know, it, it could be sort of, the more aggressive hardcore end of what they do uh, on stuff like the uh, on real thing and big smile and generator um i know they're still pretty a bit you know it's not like you're seeing i don't know nails or something like that it's not that level of aggression but there's some real pace to it but it's songs like mystery and when holiday came in i mean seeing holiday live at a sold out roundhouse with everyone belting out that chorus just yeah, uh, I'm never going to forget that moment. It was an absolutely unbelievable gig. Um, I mean, yeah, it was so good, man. Yeah. It was so good. And it was so like, because I remember being there and I was like, Jesus, like three and a half years ago. They were doing the ULU. And, well, no, three and a half years ago, they were doing the Boston Music Room. The night oh, England shit. got knocked out yeah. of the World Cup by Croatia, they were playing the Boston Music Room. And then... And then they just Maybe. did 5,000 people in London across two years. Yeah. And then yeah. even five months after that, they played, you know, and it was packed, to be fair, but they played the uh, the House of Vans. And I was like, oh, shit, they've, uh, this is a, you know, uh, this is a bit of a... A meteoric of, rise. A, 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 a bit of a rise from, you know, the, the Boston Music Room six months ago. And then, then you're like, well, fuck me. Yeah, it's mad. And then Brixton next year. Brixton next year. Um, I mean, and to be honest... At the rate they're going, I mean, I wonder if they're even going to be doing academies the next time they come back to the UK after that. I mean, I think Wembley um, by the end of 20... Well, I don't know if they'll be coming back to the UK in 2023, given they've got that Brixton date sort of smack bang in the middle. But uh, 2024, surely they've got to be doing at least Ali Pally. At least. Um, You'd think. And it was so cool to be in a room that was just such a positive atmosphere and one of the sort of first, like, quote, unquote, proper gigs back after um you know series of lockdowns and stuff like that i feel like it was the first gig that i'd been to coming out of the lockdowns in august the year before where people felt good and ready to properly throw themselves back into it absolutely staggering but not as much as my first time seeing deftones at the o2 kentish town forum Mm. my word um that was a sweaty one that was a sweaty fucking gig. Um, I love Deftones because I have ears, basically. I mean, anyone with any sense of, I don't know, musical taste at all. I know people do struggle with Chino's voice. I do not understand that complaint at all. But I mean, even if you even if you don't like Chino's voice, you must be able to appreciate the level of artistry and craft that goes into this, you know, new metal that has grown into this kind of old... You know, alt metal with pop and shoegaze elements and post-punk and new wave and even no wave at times. The stuff they do is amazing. I mean, the fact that they drop Be Quiet and Drive and My Own Summer as their fifth and sixth songs in a set list and it does not dip after that. Unbelievable. Changing the House of Flies, seeing that live, stood... I mean, by this point, I'd had to bow out of being sort of in the main floor bit because I was exhausted. Um, 
but standing at the back of the Kentish Town Forum and watching Changing the House of Flies and the rapturous reception to it, unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, I had high hopes of seeing Deftones. I didn't think I'd enjoy it as much as I did, even though I do feel like um, ending with seven words was a bit of a misstep, to be honest. I feel like, good as seven words is, I would not have made that the last song of the night um, when you have got everything Deftones have done since Adrenaline. But well, they do tr- traditionally end with that. That is a sort of big traditional set I, uh, closer for them. And I think it's, you know, they, they like to go out on a big, that or engine number nine. Yeah. They tend to, to do. I, like, I like it. They, you know, I think they're aware that the adrenaline material maybe sounds kind of antiquated in comparison with, you know, the great stuff that they've done in the aftermath of that mm. record. Pretty much from around the fur onwards basically i mean adrenaline is it their worst album it would be my uh, some people mm. think it is yeah some people think it is i it, think it's definitely it's down there isn't it it'd be my probably my second mm. least favorite after saturday night or above saturday night wrists of course mm. um which i still think is a good album you know i mean deftones mm. worst album is better than a lot of bands best albums um yeah. yeah i mean seven words did just feel a bit kind of a bit basic compared to what had come before but it's a minor quibble. I mean, I'm calling this, you know, one of the best gigs I've ever been to. And particularly, um, I think the the standout track for me, actually, was one that I did not expect to be walking away and thinking, my God, that actually sounded like the apocalypse was happening outside. It was so heavy when they did Bloody Cape. And, you know, I've got a lot of love the self-titled, but I thought Bloody Cape live that night was, it was like being at the epicenter of a neutron bomb. It was so powerful absolutely yeah. wonderful that's right it's a great gig that it would be kind of um in the higher echelons of best ever deftones gigs for me i think yeah and i've I, seen them a lot i know i know you have yeah and i remember you saying that and it's like well i can't wait to go and see deftones again and hopefully you know i, I understand they can be a bit hit and miss live it's like do you, which chino are you going to get when you turn up uh i mean to be fair these days which members of the band are you going to get i mean is steph carpenter ever going to be allowed to leave the united states who knows um, mm. But I had a brilliant time. Nothing, uh, nothing this year, uh, nothing in my life compares to my second or oh, my favourite gig of this year, which is my second favourite gig I have ever been to. And I know that you think this is the weakest time you saw the band this year. Nine Inch mm. Nails at Brixton was mm-hmm. unbelievable, absolutely mm-hmm. unbelievable. When they came out, standing in front of that sort of lurid yellowish white backdrop you know quite a sparse stage set up and then immediately went into mr self-destruct i knew that i was going to have a, a a very good time um but i didn't expect to watch wish less than march of the pigs piggy the live debut of sunspots everything sanctified heresy letting you copy of a the lovers closer the perfect drug i'm afraid of americans fashion down in it gave up the hand that feeds head like a hole for the main set and i was like well i mean they don't have to do an encore now that's already one of the best things i've ever seen anyway that would have been that would have been top three maybe top three gigs ever but hurt at the end of the night those final two chords of hurt ringing out just decimating cutting through that whisper quiet silence that had been the majority of that song and that flash of the house lights just coming up and that's it and they're done no sort of long goodbye or anything like that it's just like that's that's where it cuts off 
those final two chords are here after that pardon the fun fragile song you know the the emotion that trent reznor is still able to convey through a song that we have all been listening to for a bloody long time um that is on par with how i felt basically for the entirety of the final ever dillinger escape plan show which is my favorite gig of all time and i'd say this is uh, a cigarette paper away from capturing the emotion of that night this was fucking incredible and the fact that you know you saw nine inch nails three times this year and this is your least favorite it's like mm. that's that's what i said last week i can't wait to just go and see them on every date of every tour until they <laughs> cease to be a band anymore i can't believe that i didn't point out that they played the perfect drug yeah in, uh, like i saw it twice you know i've been going to see nine inch nails i've seen them I don't know. If I haven't seen them on every tour since 1999, but I have been going to see them for it's 23 years since the first time that I've seen them now, right. and I have never seen them play the perfect drug. And I saw them do it twice in the space of like four days. Unbelievable! It's not bad, that, is it? I fucking love that song. Yeah, I mean, it was it was amazing. That Brixton show was absolutely amazing. Yeah, um, but. Anyway, I've already said what I think. Yeah. It's, well, I, it's still yeah, not the better. Like the Eden Project shit was fucking ridiculous. But yeah, man, that that gig was like they're just yeah. they're just so good. They're I, so good. I completely agree with uh, your declaration on last week's show that they are the best live bands because they are. It was unbelievable. I can't. Mm. I still can't get over. I, I actually stood sort of like dumbstruck for a good thirty seconds after her had finished. It was like oh shit, I've got to leave the venue now, haven't I? I've got to race back over to Victoria to get my coach home. It's like, yeah, absolutely spectacular. Yeah, fucking amazing. So let's talk about some EPs, shall we? Um, yep. uh, I, I had a handful that I've enjoyed this year. Um, there's two very obvious ones that are the, the top ones. So I'm going to, well, I'm going to keep it to a top three with an honourable mention because you did three on last week's show. My honourable mention, to be honest, is because I'm not actually sure if it's an EP or not. If you go on their Apple Music, it's listed as an album, but it's 10 tracks in 10 minutes. It's a band called Brain Tourniquet, and the album stroke EP is called Brain Tourniquet 2. 10 minutes, I'm going to count it as an EP, but because I'm not really sure, I'll, I'll make it the honourable mention. It's basically just really, really aggressive, abrasive, quite noisy, hardcore punk. It is... Uh, it's a bit of you, Steve. I think you'd really, really like oh, that. Yeah. Definitely want oh, to check out, yeah. Came out on February the 11th on Iron Lung Records. Short, sharp, I mean, as I say, 10 tracks in 10 minutes. So, uh, yeah, definitely one for everyone listening to look out for if you like abrasive hardcore. So mm. my top three. Right. Uh, number three, I mean, I can't have a year where Napalm Death release something and not give them a shout out, can I? So it is. Resentment is always seismic. A final throw of throws. Um, it's not the strongest Napalm Death Relief in, uh, release in recent years because they've been on a real tear. I mean, Apex Predator and Throws of Joy and the Joys of Defeatism, let alone Utilitarian before that, are career bests. Career bests from Napalm Death. And this one is, you know, it is a continuation of the sound they were kind of experimenting with on um, Throws of Joy and the Joys of Defeatism. So it's them going for a more kind of industrial stroke, no wave, noisy sound. And it is really strong because it's Napalm Death. Even on their worst day, they're better than your favourite band, essentially. <laughs> I love Napalm Death. Um, 
it's very much number three though, because my number two is Sugar Horses Waterloo Teeth. Your favourite EP, as you said last year, uh, last year, last week even. I mean, yeah, it's really good. That it's very strong. Um, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's it's Sugar Horse being Sugar Horse, which is in itself inherently brilliant. The way they're able to go from those, yeah, a crushing kind of seismic, full throated blackened hardcore noise rock riffs into those really elegant clean passages that are yeah kind of beautiful in uh and i suppose like the cure on their kind of lighter side way with that goth influence um and yeah it's a nice roundup of a best of of some not quite as celebrated as they should be british musicians who are absolutely fantastic you got dev from idols on there you got mike venart and they're the big hitters damien sale from the saint pierre snake invasion um you got debbie from harrier you got um dan and brady from conjurer it's a who's who of who gives a shit but the music's really fucking good so shout out sugar horse love it but yeah it's good it's really good that i mean as i mentioned last week yeah very very good and yeah you know the fact that it's sort of a kind of a, a bit of a step down from the album which it, which it probably should be because it's a sort of stopgap ep yeah yeah but like it's that good and it still feels like oh well you know this is just a stopgap fucking great great yeah, band absolutely um yeah love sugar horse can't wait to hear whatever they do next i mean i do wonder kind of when and what we might get in the guise of their second full-length album but uh we'll see won't we mm-hmm. however my favorite ep of the year I don't know if you got around to listening to this, actually, Steve. Um, did you ever listen to Haunt by Creature? Yes, I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, today, uh, they they are currently tracking their uh, debut album, which I think they're aiming to get out sort of summer to latter heart, latter end of um, next year. So far, every single Creature release has been an improvement on the previous one. I thought Hex was a really strong EP. I thought Hound was brilliant. I think this is absolutely spectacular. I think um, with all uh, the the first song on the EP, they lean into a kind of more melodic end of their chaotic and abrasive hardcore that introduces, I don't know, a sort of melodic vocal break that almost reminds me of the Sisters of Mercy within the um, pre-chorus. And then you get a song like Lines at the end of it, which I think is the best thing Creature have done so far. It's um, it's what they ended that set of the Fighting Cocks with. So it's a really broad and expansive track that goes into some, I don't know, quite towering melodies, but at the same time retains that chaotic sense of urgency and bug-eyed madness that you want from a really heavy, gnashing hardcore band. I think Creature are fantastic. I can't wait for the debut album. And this EP, definitely my favourite of 2022. Definitely. Cool. Yeah, they were good with uh, with Heck at the Fighting Cox. And yeah, I did remember listening to it. For some reason, I did, I, I, this year's been fucking mental. I didn't even realise it was this year. Yeah, man. Yeah, June the 10th came out. So. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah, no, it is good, that. Very good. Very good. Good for them. Indeed. Yeah, I like that band. They're good. They are. Great bunch of lads. Um, <laughs> right, so uh, yeah, I'll rattle through some uh, my favourite songs that aren't on um any of my albums of the year i'm gonna do these alphabetically by artist so start off uh star baby by the callous dial boys i think that's absolutely wonderful it's it's the best thing callous dial boys mm-hmm. have done because it's a great amalgam of everything that they do do so brilliantly um whether it's math core there's very slight inflections of death core indie rock 
some kind of hyper pop melodies and everything uh star yeah. baby's brilliant i really really want to see them live um i i hope they managed to get some uk dates prior to art tangent but i'll see them at art tangent anyway uh which they have been announced for um the bookends of cave-in's latest album so new Re- new reality and wavering angel you've got one that is just balls to the walls brodsky and newton absolutely giving it both barrels with their vocal performance wonderful huge just rock riffs and then you've got wavering angel which is the other end of what cave are capable of an absolutely beautiful sentimental epic song that um much like final transmission i know that, that they don't really consider it necessarily a quite quite proper album but it is a beautiful tribute to um the dearly departed caleb schofield so yeah. it's absolutely wonderful um and to be honest that caving album it might be my least favorite caving full length but that's how good they are that they still write these amazing songs even if the album is not necessarily to your taste so yeah i thought that album was good but I thought, I, I, yeah i'll tell you what that album suffered a little bit coming out the same week as kendrick lamar coming out i think yeah definitely and which um is, you listened last week you'll know was my album of the year um not one which of meant them I, cheater one of yeah the, well, yeah joint album <laughs> of the year um yeah, so I think that was maybe a bit of a problem with that record. But it is really, really good. Really good. It is really good. And as I say, you know, it's 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 probably my least favourite Cave in full length. But Cave in are just such a brilliant band that I don't actually have much by way of criticism for it beyond maybe could have done with a little bit of editing because it's a long album. But mm. you know what? I'm never going to complain about more Cave in. That's absolutely fine. Um, Coheed and Cambria, Shoulders and The Liars Club, two absolutely fantastic... Big tunes, old yeah. Emo, prog, pop songs, yeah, absolutely brilliant. I mean, Shoulders especially has been on basically constant rotation since it came out as a single. Um, Rot by Conjurer. Now, Conjurer, not one that I really go to for bangers, but that is a song that <laughs> I really, really enjoyed, particularly from uh, Pathos, their second album, which I liked a lot. Didn't quite do for me what Maya did but whatever I think it's still a really strong album Conjure a really impressive band and Rot is a song in particular that I really have gone back to time and again if I don't have time to listen to the album in full I'll just whack that one on and just do a big stink face so lovely <laughs> an album that uh, you actually had in your honourable mentions that I wasn't all that keen on as an album overall but the debut single from Ghosts in Para Call Me Little Sunshine yeah of the songs that of the songs from albums that haven't made my end of year list i think this might be my favorite song of the year in that category i think call me little sunshine is the best ghost song since square hammer for my money i think it's absolutely beautiful and i think thinking about the sort of context and the way it can affect uh you know people's reactions to albums um one of the things that has happened in 2022 and particularly i don't know well kind of the latter half 2021 as well as lost a fair few family members and sort of family friends and stuff like that and when i listen to this grand sort of pop gothic love song basically i just think it's absolutely beautiful and the um the final chorus where it all drops out and it's just uh tobias forge's papa um saying you will never walk alone you can always reach me even when you're dead and gone you can always teach me all you've got to do is call me um it brings a tear to my eye i think it's absolutely beautiful um i wish i'd have seen ghost at the o2 earlier this year but i know i would have been a blubbering wreck when they did that song i think call me little sunshine is superb i would have it second to square hammer in ghost's canon definitely it is a fucking great song 
yeah, yeah. it is a great song i actually it's not one of my favorites from the record mm. uh funnily enough i think like the more the re- I, I do like the really 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 over the top stuff of yeah like kaiser and, and stuff like that yeah yeah and um call me little sunshine is yeah like i say it's, it's actually you know it's not just silly is it it's actually it's quite know, a measured yeah. song for ghost yeah so quite yeah, restrained yeah, but yeah. um i absolutely love it i think that is an absolute slam dunk on an album that i've not been back to loads because the rest of it didn't grab me quite as much um but hey um bad apple by nod from their album this year not an album that i would suggest you go into if you don't like really really horrible abrasive sludge for 40 minutes or so um but Mm. the song bad apple is really really good it's uh a bit more to the point than nod um sometimes want to go i mean they're a difficult band to pigeonhole but that's definitely one to check out if you like things on the more kind of disgusting end uh harry styles gets two shouts much like cave-in with music for a sushi restaurant and of course as it was the most streamed song of the year not mm. not for me but just for the world uh yeah absolutely brilliant love it um i mean he's he does seem a bit of a wally but whatever those songs are really good i'll have them they um are. yeah yeah not released on an album but i'd be remiss not to put in the spectacle but i like trains there absolutely brilliant jamie lemon's bad friend i think is a song that has really hit me in the sort of in the field so to speak then it's absolutely yeah. beautiful um slaughter the martyr by machine head not really gone back to the machine head album in full so much but that song is a fucking oh bullseye i love it when machine mm. head do epic and do it where it doesn't feel like there's any fat on it i think slaughter the martyr is fantastic those choruses are brilliant i'm gutted they didn't do it at the uh motor point show that i saw them at they did um become the firestorm instead as their like big one from the new album so i yeah. was about to say like i didn't mention machine head last week and i do think that album is great and i yeah. think become the become the firestorm is really really good i do like become the firestorm but i i will never be able to hear it again without hearing jared really struggle to do the vocals live so oh yeah because okay. he kind of he kind of goes it's like oh no <laughs> it's like trey parker and matt stone have got up there um one that took me by surprise and to be honest i do think the album is really really strong but the highlight for me uh of the mars volta's self-titled album would be black light shine i think that's a wonderful just bouncy pop song absolutely brilliant love it um i'm gonna save that one for a moment um suede she still leads me on obviously you spoke about it last week yeah i think that is an absolutely beautiful song and as as we spoke about there are different reasons and sort of different backgrounds that can uh change the way that you interpret or enjoy it i think it's beautiful um zelanada's feed the machine i think that is a belter yes brilliant you said last week you think zelanada's uh latest album is your favorite of theirs i would probably still take stranger fruit but zelanada are a spectacularly consistent band um can't knock them at all and uh my final one one album that has four songs that i have listened to constantly since it came out and it's been quite a divisive album a lot of people have taken against it vehemently but Ground Zero, Glitch, The Greatest Fear, and Darker Still from Parkway Drive's latest album, I think are all world-class mainstream arena metal songs, and Parkway Drive are absolutely fucking brilliant. So, Mavin it, fuck you if you don't like them. They're fucking great. Yeah. Who doesn't want to hear Parkway Drive doing Dire Straits solos? No, I'm having it. Brilliant. Mm. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, uh, I, I, I think that's a decent album, personally. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fan. Um, so, I'll just rattle through some honourable mentions before I get to my actual 20. So... 
as I say, I probably could have had another 30, 40, 50 in here, but uh, I decided to just keep it to 10 honourable mentions before I dive in, because otherwise we could be here for a very long time. Um, so As the Moon Rests by Aya Williams was a really, really strong second album. Really enjoyed that. She's got such a wonderful command of those haunting melodies and that broad, cinematic, post-rocky feeling instrumentation. Really strong, but not quite enough to get into the end of year list for me. I don't know. Do, do you do you particularly recall your feelings on the new AA Williams, Steve? I've not listened to it. Have you not? No. Uh, if if you liked AA Williams' previous stuff, I can't see why you wouldn't like this. I think it's it's kind of more of the same. But when that thing is so good, it's like it's it's hard to argue with. Really, I think AA Williams yeah. is fantastic. Really enjoyed. Oh, yeah, that. I should I should do. I've I mean, there's been a few. I think I said last week that. Um, you know like a lot of people said to me you should review the wade's blood album i did i, mm. I did listen to that um i found myself being like a little bit less sort of uh taken by some of the more kind of cerebral um things this year to be honest that's totally fair up, up for the bangers i think up for fun definitely uh well yeah. my, my next honorable mention is not fun at all it's a uh, gris klein by birds in row uh birds in row are just an excellent band um I mean, on paper, it's just my kind of band. It's shouty, it's abrasive, it's aggressive, it's emotional. And Chris Klein is another fantastic release from Birds and Row. I'd love to see them again. I believe they're at Art Tangent, so I will be seeing them in the summer if all goes to plan. Um, they played London uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I actually it's fucking couldn't go because of the strikes scuppered my travel plans. Oh, that sucks for but- you. Uh, I would have definitely gone to see because I've never seen him before, so I would like to see them. Have yeah. you not? Ah, oh, so I, I've seen them once. I saw them just before um, the first lockdown. They were opening for Alcester Heaven, and that was superb. Uh, another one that was a uh, was an honourable mention for yourself as well. Um, Ants from Up There by Black Country New Road. A really, really impressive album. Really delicate and not afraid to go a bit more bombastic, but always retaining a, a sense of class and. And really, I don't know, palpable and quite draining emotion to it as well. And given that, um, oh my God, I've forgotten his name. I believe it's Isaac, their lead singer, has now left the band. We don't know the current status of Black Country New Road. but mm. um, So if this is their swan song, what a way to go out. A really, really strong album. Um, Precipice by Dialect just missed out as well thought that was really strong. I've yeah. you know, really fallen in love with that kind of industrialised hip-hop stuff. Um, I don't know that I quite have the vocabulary to really encapsulate it, but um, I do really, really enjoy what Dialect are doing. Um, and it's on Ipecac, which is generally a sign of quality. Great label. Uh, Denzel Curry, Melt My Eyes, See Your Future. One that I thought was a shoe-in to be in the end of year list, but just hasn't stayed with me in, this, in the way that some of the others have. And I feel like there are probably albums that are in my 20 that are by any conceivable metric not as good as Denzel Curry's new album but I, I can't lie about what I've preferred but his he is fantastic just have you nas- listened to the new uh, I say new uh, did you listen to this kind of the extended version because actually this is another one that I didn't mention last week because I uh, like I didn't quite I think it's brilliant and I think it's particularly brilliant um, if you've got the 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 what is it called the extended yeah it's the extended version um that came out it's fucking 
absolutely brilliant it's got a 10 song live album of them with the cold blooded soul band oh in, sorry with the cold blooded soul band doing some of the songs from this record and a couple of unreleased songs as well mm. and they're fucking amazing it like totally elevates those songs because i this was one that you know I, I listened to it a fair bit and actually ended up not even mentioning it at all last week um but i think it's really good but then that version with the with the, with the, the extra live stuff it, yeah. It's well good. It's well oh, good. No, I'd yeah. completely missed that. I will definitely check that out um, at some point shortly after recording, I would think. Mm. Um, a bit of Roadburn core for you. A bit of Roadburn Bay. Um, oh, the, yeah? This Shame Should Not Be Mine by Gold. I thought that was a beautiful album. That really, is good, that album. You yeah. know, really captivating, really emotionally arresting. Didn't quite... It did not just... Oh, I just missed out on the, the sort of top spot, but I thought it was absolutely wonderful. I'd love to see them uh, if and when they tour. Um, just kind of got that. It's got a touch of the lingering notice about it in that it is, you know, mm. it's a real kind of defiant vulnerability that uh, I always really enjoy, um, which makes me sound quite sadistic in some senses, but oh well. <laughs> um, I'm really glad this ended up being so high in your list. And I'm annoyed with myself that it didn't quite get into mine. But again, you've got to just got to go where you got. Got um, cut off. Got what's your cut off? Uh, yeah, loyal Carners Hugo. Absolutely, oh, an, an absolutely staggeringly brilliant album mm. that I just didn't enjoy quite as much as some other things that I've included. I mean that that would be my twenty-one to be honest. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's very very good. I feel like. If I get to see him live at some point, uh, it will make even more sense. And I'll look back on myself and think, you're a Wally. But then I suppose that's one of the benefits of us not actually ranking stuff this year is it's like, well, I'm, you know, I would have been annoyed if I didn't put him at like number two anyway, I would imagine. So sorry, Loyal. But at least Steve gave you the, the plaudits you deserve. Um, I've always got more Mother's Jazz Codes in there. Obviously, we spoke about that last week as well with yours. A uh, really dense album that I've been back to sporadically. I feel like if, if I'd have invested more time in it, it would be in there, but it's just a bit too much for me at the moment. Uh, not like Orville Peck's Bronco, which is so much fun. Great, great yeah. record. Yeah, so good. Yeah, As as you said last week, uh, doesn't always hit the mark, maybe a little bit too long, but when it really hits its stride on songs like Lafayette, um, it's just radiant it's so so much fun and so daft and so knowing um absolutely love that one and my final honorable mention would go to uh trouble the water by show me the body which i think is a wonderful blend of really aggressive hardcore and those more industrialized um just cold metallic feeling percussive elements that i always gravitate towards that was that was a bit of a shoe in to be at least getting near the end of the year for me like getting mm. into the into the the honorable mentions at the very least so yes yeah uh i again didn't mention that last week but that is that is really good that is, is a really good record yeah it very very good very yeah. strong so we've got your top 20 sam which is yeah, essentially fif 15 in no particular order and then a top five. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, although I would say, I'd say five through to two, any one of them could be number two, basically. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, okay. I was thinking about how I would structure this one, given that it's not uh, ranked. So I thought 
Let's start at the most fun end of the year and work our way down <laughs> into the depths of despair, which is where I so often wallow. So, oh, yeah, you love it, don't you? Oh, yeah, bloody nice. love it, mate. Uh, Special by Lizzo is where I'm going to start. The most fun album I listened to this year. As you rightly said, you know, maximalist pop um, to the point there's not, an, you know, not a wasted second on it. Um, about damn time I love you bitch everybody's gay some of the best songs I've heard all year I just want to go for well not even a, I want to go for a picture of mimosas with Lizzo I feel like she would be <laughs> the nicest woman in the world to just hang out with and she'd make you feel so much better about yourself and life and everything she'd just be like no 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 don't don't you think like that you are beautiful you are brilliant it's bad bitch o'clock let's get on the dance floor um yeah Lizzo special wonderful um Maybe not the most artistically challenging album of the record, but uh, record of the year, sorry. But fuck me, but how still. how can you not have fun with Gay Bad, as you so succinctly put it when we reviewed it? Um, yeah, I've, I'm a fool. I absolutely got Lizzo wrong. As I said last week, I thought she was just sort of a collection of singles ready to be played in club nights up and down, well, across the world, really. But no, she can actually write really fucking strong albums as well. Um more Lizzo, please. Do more. Well, we're, we're going to go and see her as well in, in March. Can't we wait are, for that. Yeah, I yeah, can't yeah, wait for that, yeah, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah, played a blinder there. Um, and as you say, even makes Coldplay bearable. <laughs> That's true, mate. Can't it's ask, so true. Yeah. Can't ask for much more than that. Um, another one that appeared in both our lists, going again for the more fun end of stuff. Hold the Girl by Rina Sawayama. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm so pleased that you have fallen on the side of thinking that is the superior of her two records because from the moment I first heard the title track, I was like, yeah, this is definitely going to do even more for me than Sawayama did, which I thought was an excellent album. Yeah. Um, I think focusing on one facet of Rena's incredible grasp of pop and melody and style, um, just... <laughs> and has, you know, let alone a lyrical ability. Just focusing on one of those, where Sawayama kind of went to a lot of different places, I feel like Hold the Girl stays in one lane a bit more, and that lane is Lady Gaga by way of Shania Twain, and I am all about that. I'm all about that. I mean, This Hell. That's a great shout. Yeah. yeah. This Hell, one of the best songs of the year. Frankenstein, when it goes for the heavy drum freak out at the end, amazing. So good. I mean, Frank Frankenstein, that's a song of the year contender for me. I think it is utterly fucking brilliant um and uh, when we reviewed it i feel like i i did sort of well no, i certainly remember saying that there were sort of peaks and troughs across the album i thought felt there were bits where it maybe got a little bit ruminative and didn't quite work as well but actually no this is everything that i want from pop i want these gloriously bombastic bangers about well seeing your poster telling you that you're damned to all eternity in hell but it doesn't matter because you're going to go down the club and have a fucking good time in your hedonistic lifestyle and still done with that tongue-in-cheek, that knowing glint in the eye. Um, Rina Sawayama's fucking brilliant. She is an absolute superstar. Um, and I do even think... So after Frankenstein, you get those four songs, Hurricane, Semi Love to John, Phantom, and To Be Alive, where it does get a bit sort of musical theatre, and I I accept the argument that all four of those songs feel like they could be the finale of the record, but they're so good. They're so... just. <laughs> So lovely that I don't it's mind. It's a great way to end the I, yeah. I, I personally think it's a great way to end the record. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have a problem with it being kind of, uh, you know, kind of a, a maybe overwrought or extended ending because, well, I like The Lord of the Rings, so it'd be a bit hypocritical of me to 
allow it for Peter Jackson, but not Rina Sawayama. She's way better than him. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Rina Sawayama could make brain dead. I don't think he could have written this. So there we go. <laughs> could Rina Sawayama have made brain dead? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure how I was about that, but you know, fine. Don't doubt her. Don't doubt her. Um, so the first one that didn't appear in your list that I've got, um, again, sticking with the, the lighter tone, but we're starting to go for some ever so slightly darker territory here. Uh, I have gone for Angels and Queens Part 1 by Gabriels. Um, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It's a staggeringly beautiful, warm, soulful album that moves from delicate and vulnerable to this robustly full-bodied radiance. Um, the blend of soul, big band, gospel... It shines so bright, even in its darker and more poignant moments, like Taboo and If Only You Knew, To The Moon and Back, Mama. There are so many songs on here that I think are absolutely sublime. I can't wait for the, the second half of it. I mean, I do almost worry that maybe kind of doubling the length of this might take away from it a little bit, but we'll see. Um, but for now, I mean, I've got this collection of Jacob Lusk being one of my favourite vocalists I've heard in recent years, somewhere between... CeeLo Green and Sylvester he is absolutely wonderful and the fact he can Mm. move from whisper quiet and really kind of yeah sentimental and uh, I mean almost to the point of bringing you to tears to these massive declarations almost like Aretha Franklin kind of belting it out kind of thing I mean Jacob Lusk is he's the man of the match on this album which is not to undermine the power of the instrumentation because the instrumentals are so classy and as i say there's a warmth to the production it's just a lovely lovely album uh from start to finish so gabriel's uh i do love that man i mean i really i i was i was gutted i saw a little tiny bit of them um i saw a little tiny bit of them uh supporting elton john and i feel a bit silly to just be like oh i'm gonna go back and get a drink and i'll you know i don't really know who this is sort of thing because i was i I knew that I'd sort of heard the name, but then when the album came out and I saw it and I listened to it and I was just like, oh, I've really fucked up here by not giving them my full attention, haven't I? I properly fucked up here because, yeah, it's really great. And like I said, I think just due to how strong this year has been mm. and just due to like, you know, the fact that we are going to get the full album mm. next year i think i i decided to i made the call to like yeah to to not put it in but yeah, i think it's it. just so brilliant it is a great great record or half a record yeah yeah i mean i i'm going to put it in there just because of the fact that it has been reviewed as an album by anywhere mm-hmm. that has deigned to review it and it has been marketed as an album even if it is yes kind of yep. the first half of a larger piece so i'm having it i think it's brilliant um, that's really great this next one now I'd be very surprised if you'd heard this album I don't even know if you know this artist um, have you heard The Ruby Chord by Richard Dawson Steve no okay so uh, Richard Dawson is an artist I only discovered this year um, he was added to the lineup to uh, Supersonic Festival which I was planning on trying to get to because the Bug and Flow Down were there before the Bug had announced them um, some uk uh, some headline dates of his own later in the year uh i couldn't get there in the end anyway so it's fine but richard dawson and circle were there and a gentleman i was going to be going to 
Supersonic with said, mate, have you heard these? And I was like, no. He said, oh, Richard Dawson and Circle have done this album together. It's this amazing collaborative thing, which it really is. So their album was called Henke. came out last year. Circle, experimental rock band. Richard Dawson kind of exists in what I would broadly describe as quite sort of avant-garde folk. And I'm not someone who usually goes for fake music at all, but mm. I really enjoyed listening to Henke. So I thought, when he announced the Ruby Chord, I thought, I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for that. This only came out on November the 18th, so this is a last-minute one, but it has rocketed in wow. there for me. It started gaining some buzz outside of its kind of usual press area, which would basically be the quietest, because... Um, Richard Dawson revealed that there was going to be an accompanying video for the opening track and lead single, uh, The Hermit. That song is 41 minutes long. And the the video that goes with it is very much a short film. And that, you know, that is quite an undertaking. But that song, to me, absolutely flies by. In the same way that something like uh, The Seer Returns from The Seer by Swans, you know, that's a 33-minute song that feels like... It feels at once like you've gone on a kind of years-long journey but for me, absolutely so captivating from start to finish. And Richard Dawson's music, as far as I can tell, I've now listened to his three most recent records, including this one. Um, this is actually the end of a trilogy of albums that he's done. The first one being 2017's Peasant and 2020's 2020, quite aptly titled. 2019, um, it's, sorry, I just brought him up. It's 2019, apparently, 2020 came out. Oh, was it? Oh, I do apologise. I must have written that wrong in my... <laughs> <laughs> must have written that wrong in my notes. Oh, well. But yes, those two albums, um, which I thought were both very, very strong. But this is the one for me. It's gorgeous, sweeping, transportative music. It starts from a kind of conceit of it's set in the future after the collapse of civilization and people kind of looking over these um all these sort of tableaus of evidence as to how society declined quite as quickly as it did and how hard it fell a song called museum where he references the throngs of cheering football fans and a doctor crying alone so you know this is definitely an album that has been informed by the last few years of yeah. political upheaval let alone you know kind of geopolitical and well and the pandemic of course um and it's uh, it's a really interesting consideration uh that's very plain and pointed as to where society's priorities at large should lie and where they actually do. His performance is, I feel, deliberately imperfect. There are moments where you can hear his voice sort of crack under the weight of what he's doing, and he moves a bit like Jacob Lusk, but not in with the same kind of rich timbre. He moves from these really, really subtle and um, restrained vocals into something a bit more muscular and a bit more impactful. As I say, mm. I'm not really one for folk usually, but this album has really grabbed me. And I think part of it is there's an aching sincerity and realness to it. And there's a naturalism, even in the fantastical, that it makes me think, ah, I can see why people do enjoy kind of acoustic-led folk music. Um, so mm. maybe one that I need to check out a bit, uh, or a genre that I need to investigate a bit more. And it... <laughs> as I've already you know, already mentioned that they're a, a publication that definitely go for him. This is number four in the Quietus' album of the year list, so it's definitely connected with uh, a small but um, very kind of particular audience. Wow. Okay. I mean, I... Uh, I don't know if I know who uh, Richard Dawson is. I've got him on um, Instagram. Instagram? I've got him on Wikipedia here. And I don't think... Yeah, I don't think I'm familiar with him at all. But apparently he's inspired by Mike Patton, uh, by all accounts. Um, well, aren't we all, to be fair? 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I feel like I should. Um, I feel like I should. Uh, I should check him out. I thought maybe he would been around longer than that because I'm pretty sure there's there's a line um, in Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with talks about <laughs> Richard Dawson, but I'm probably think it's probably not the same guy. No. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, man, fuck me. That sounds yeah, that sounds different i i'm 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 not aware of this person at all so good shout sam yeah i i hadn't been until earlier this year uh and yeah i i've been really impressed by investigating a bit of richard dawson and this album in particular i think is really really strong i think yeah if you're in the mood for sort of quite long-winded but really captivating storytelling i think give that album a listen the polar opposite of long-winded and captivating storytelling however is an album that you talked about last week it's blending by high viz um Mm. as you rightly said it's a collision and wonderful amalgamation of a lot of things that already exist and you know can be seen as sort of strange bedfellows whether it's 80s discord and new york hardcore and then manchester brit rock baggy post-punk everything like that the fact that those two things haven't been put together well at all before to our knowledge but i mean even if they have they can't have been done well enough that people would have been really shouting about it like the way they are about high viz i think it's absolutely spectacular and for me the man of the match that holds it all together as beautiful as the instrumentation is in that sort of johnny marr like johnny marr liam liam and noel gallagher cinematic massive reverb heavy stadium filling um collection of riffs it's graham sales delivery his uh his vocal delivery of that kitchen sink realism of working class struggles that as you rightly said it's not flowery in the way that you get someone like yard act kind of going oh look we're working class but actually we're smart as well yeah so maybe don't put us down it's like no this is who we are this is how we feel this is what's going on in liverpool in merseyside britain as we as we stand today and they're able to go for those stadium conquering radiant things like talk for hours or something really indignant and muscular on zero on five one trauma bonds another amazing one i think morality test is an excellent song and then shame mm. the finale of it all absolutely wonderful love high viz yeah i well i said it all last week pretty much didn't i, I agree yeah with just about everything you've just said it's um <sighs> fucking just a lovely mixture of stuff it's lovely to hear a new band it goes to show that you can do something kind of new with pre-existing things that exists within guitar music if you are kind of passionate and um you know uh singular voiced enough to actually try it yeah and that's what this record does really really great love love high vis i think that album's fucking excellent yeah really strong and uh, as you were saying last week uh, i i really want them to get big basically i think they deserve it i think <laughs> yeah, they deserve too, yeah. to be playing brixton academy or whatever so more power to you um i've just realized the way i've organized this there's a lot of crossover here because my next one is uh, Working Men's Club's Fear Fear, which is oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, I think Sydney um, Minsky Sargent's steely vocal performance over it all um, is so infectious when you get a song like Cut um, and the quite bouncy melody that goes along with it until you are listening to the actual content of the lyrics. It's quite deceptive in, in that kind of... It's a weird comparison, but almost in that kind of like weasery way where it's like, oh, these sound like really nice quite enjoyable alternative songs and then you actually listen to what's being said and it gets a bit darker but um i mean i'm never going to be uh anything other than glowingly positive by music that has the melodic sensibility of new order and the human league 
but played by bands who are more influenced by Nine Inch Nails, Killing Joke, Kraftwerk and Godflesh. There's that mechanical coldness to it all the way through. And it's almost at odds with well, doing that kind of synth music, but it is that darker end of stuff that I really, really enjoy. Working Men's Club, you've done it again. Yeah, it's a very, very good record. I mean, again, just I don't want to repeat what I said last week, Yeah, but I think, um, yeah, uh, synth pop, but heavy in it. Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, so I've rattled through a fair few of those because Steve has already sort of said his piece on those and I feel like I don't necessarily have loads more to add. One that I'm surprised that um, I don't believe you mentioned at all last week. Um, my next one is Mirror Cell by Greg Pucciato. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Greg Pucciato is one of the finest vocalists in rock, metal, whatever sort of genre you want to put him in. But as he's proved um, in his tenure since leaving, uh, or since the the end of the Dillinger Escape Plan, whether it be with the Black Queen or as a solo artist, he can turn his hand to a lot of things and do it really well. I really enjoyed Child Soldier Creator of God, um, but similar to Sawayama, I feel like it perhaps was a little, uh, little less focused than I'd like it to be. I think everything that it did, it did well, but it didn't necessarily flow together as one complete piece for me. Um, I tend to go back to Child Soldier in dribs and drabs and sort of go to pockets of it. I mean, particularly that duo of like a pair of questions and evacuation yeah. at the end of the album. Purpose that is, is fucking incredible, man. I mean, that that is the sweet spot of what Greg was doing on that album for me. And so when Mirror Cell came along and it was more focused, um, more to the point and I think, uh, but still with that undeniable sort of Greg characteristic, you can still hear all of the influences that he enjoys in here, whether it's alt rock or kind of more industrial stuff that's going on, or even, uh, I mean, pop music as well. You get a song like Lowered with Reba Myers, which has got one of the best choruses of the year on it. Um, I think Greg's played a blinder here. And by pairing things back a little bit, I think it's ultimately made a more accessible and arguably stronger album. I don't actually know if I prefer it to Child Soldier. I think it's the day you catch me on. But when you've got, in this hell you find yourself as the intro to Reality Spiral, absolutely wonderful, lowered as I say, Rainbows Underground and All Waves to Nothing, those final two songs at the end, I think it's absolutely spectacular. And once again, I mean, how can you not love listening to Greg Pucciato's voice? He's just one of the best people that's ever lived, really, isn't he? Yeah, I do like that album. I mean, I do like it. I have to say, Child Soldier was, I thought, due to how fucking wild and varied it was, I thought it was better. Um personally i think it's a good record i think it's a good record i like you know in amongst everything else it was never going to get in my top 20 to be perfectly honest but fair enough um but i think it's you know i do think it's it's good it's decent i've not gone back to it that much to be perfectly honest but i think you know obviously obviously i love greg and i'm not going to slag him off (laughs) a i i love him and b uh he would beat beat you up up. yeah absolutely yeah Mm. well fair enough um Next up, another one, one that I was really surprised did end up in yours, actually, um, that we have both got. Uh, yeah, Hellfire by Black Midi. How much yep. Primus do you want in your pop music? Is the answer loads? Brilliant. Well, do that. But also put in some of the the sensibilities of kind of big bands and kind of neo-jazz that they were taking on Cavalcade. Mix it in that Primus vat with a bit of King Crimson and Ween and Presidents of the United States of America and any other odd band that you absolutely love. Um, so I think taking John L, the first song from that album as the template and expanding on that has been the best thing Black Midi could do. It is weird. It's bug eyed. It's wonderful. It's chaotic. It's dense. But as you said, it is 
an enjoyable listen. It's quite easy to get through the whole thing. I never feel like I'm being particularly sort of <laughs> assaulted or challenged by it or kind of forced to dig too hard. But you can if you want to, because there is a lot going on on a song like The Race Is About To Begin or even the kind of warped weirdness of Eat Men Eat, this kind of strange anti-war song that is almost being told to you from the point of view of someone who is shell-shocked and is rambling at you. I think Geordie Group's vocals, distinct as they are, I think they're brilliant. I think a lot of people will hate them, but absolutely wonderful band. It is weird that they are considered a cool one, as you said. Yeah, it is. Like, it is yeah. weird that they've been the one that's been picked up. When you have got, you know, I mean, I know Black Country New Road were doing very well for themselves, but why Black Midi? They feel like such an oddity, such a, a weird yeah. kind of exception that proves the rule that actually weird bands can get through. I suppose a bit like how, you know, Primus got to bloody number seven on the Billboard 200 with pork soda back in 1993. So, I mean, it's not even like oh, because yeah, if you sort of look at Black Country New Road, this is the success, the success of that, or Idols even, and go like oh, that's kind of weird that people have you know gone for this, but uh, <laughs> at least they sort of have that like indie cool about them. I don't, yeah, I don't think yeah. Black Black Midi don't even have that really. They do genuinely sound like weird sort of. Uh, wacky band yeah weird wacky band like i said the pre the, the presence of the united states of america is not a terrible comparison no I, I, it's I, actually not i mean they're much better musicians than the president <laughs> but like yes it's actually not that weird uh do you know what I mean? it's not that weird uh, a comparison at all which is fucking mental yeah fucking it, mental that a band like that could be sort of championed as one of the most exciting things in british you know kind of not underground, but sort of just below mainstream guitar music. I'm really happy with that. I like to see weird underdogs do quite well. And as I was saying last week, I don't think there's any pretension to Black Midi. I think they are making exactly the music they want to make. And that's why all three of their albums sound pretty distinct. Um, this does not yeah. sound like Schlagenheim. It sounds like one song off Cavalcade, which in itself did not sound much like Schlagenheim. Um, they're really impressive. I really like them. Um I've missed seeing them about three times over the last 18 months as well. So that's fun. So there we go. Um, <laughs> an album that you, uh, well, one one of the songs made it into your sort of shouts for songs of the year, not on your albums. This was very, very, very high for a long time this year, but it has fallen out of the top five. <laughs> I can't believe how much I like Leather Terror by Carpenter Brute. It's fucking can't great. I mean, that believe how much I like it super close yeah. to getting in my at least my honourable mentions because it's such a fucking banger of a record it's absolutely wonderful I mean it is as so many people have said before it's John Carpenter synth pop isn't it it is horror movies mm. you know horror movie plots written out as broadly instrumental synth music um, Straight Out of Hell is an absolute banger and then you get the Widowmaker with Gunship. Um, and I think the inclusion of these guest vocalists, which, you know, they have done before, but I think a bit more emphasis on the guest vocalists um, on this album really uh, has really worked for them. Particularly, I mean, the second mention for him in so many minutes, Greg Pucciato on Imaginary Fire, absolutely wonderful. I do think Ulver maybe don't cover themselves in glory on Goodnight Goodbye, when you think about the things that Ulva have done in this realm, like the assassination of Julius Caesar, I feel mm. like it does stop the album somewhat in its tracks. But then you get the one-two of Daystalker and Night Prowler and the transition between the, the two of those, since I first heard it, it is one of my favourite things of the year. The way that it just builds that 
that rising grinding saw synth that just switches into a minor key as the tracks swap over it oh honestly it, when i'm walking the streets of leicester and it's dark after work it's like <laughs> i'd be quite happy for like some sort of maniac to come up to me because i feel like i could absolutely just lose my mind and engage in some sort of weird horror film scene i mean i'd probably die yeah. i would be the victim in that scene but i'd, I'd be happy about it because i was listening to carpenter brutes that's all good um, it's a great record fucking great. great record i think persia's performance on lipstick masquerade as well um doesn't feel like it's one that's talked about as much i think that is brilliant i really really enjoyed that uh carpenter brute album stunned how much i did because leather teeth i thought was good i think this is a massive step up and it's not particularly yeah, doing anything different but it's just a refine refinement of what they were doing on the on that first album and if i remember rightly this is the second part of a trilogy about the the leather killer yep so that's a one so mm. we're going to be getting some more of that hopefully it's even more ridiculous than the last two that's better what i be. want better be mate um the next one comes from a band who um I discovered back in, uh, well, I first came across in 2017 when they were opening for Mastodon at Rock City. And they fast became one of the most impressive things I'd seen to date at that time. Um, Gnosis by Russian Circles. Oh, yeah, it's a good record. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really, really like Russian Circles. I like everything they've done apart from Blood Year. So their previous album I thought was, I thought it was pretty by numbers for their sort of thing i thought it was a bit of a step down from uh well it was a massive step down from guidance the album before it um and i did think oh well you know whatever you know it's just one album that i'm not so keen on it'll be fine so when gnosis was announced i thought oh cool new russian circles i'll check that out and i didn't expect uh to be battered by them with their newfound love of creator riffs in quite the way that i would be when you get mm. Th- sort of two and a half three minutes into the opening song Tupilac um, I'm going to try and avoid pronouncing these song titles because it's I'll be on a hiding to nothing but the first song Tupilac when you get Mike Sullivan playing this quite sort of discordant slow palm muted riff and then Brian Cook and David Turncrantz's percussion and bass just absolutely smashing like sledgehammers it's so satisfying and it doesn't let up for the whole album until you get to that final track bloom which is a bit more familiar territory for russian circles it's a little bit more shoegazing a bit more on the kind of post end where the rest of it has been instrumental post metal very much informed by the immediacy of thrash um particular highlight would probably be vlastimil right in the middle of the album i think that's an absolutely wonderful song well done brian cook You've made up for annoying me with the, the false starts and all the botch, botch announcements. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is good, this record. And I was glad to hear that it was um, heavier and more melodic. No, no, heavier and um, just more instantaneous, wasn't it? Just like they yeah. just went for the old cranium skull crack, which it's not like they don't do that at all, Russian Circles. But I did feel like this was definitely like the most metal sounding thing they'd done for a long yeah. time. I've not really gone back to it, to be honest, that much, but I do really like it. It is good. Fair man, I I've been listening to this a lot. I mean, to the point where, if it's not my favourite Russian Circles album, it's probably second only to Empros. To be honest, I think it's absolutely wonderful. Um, mm. if you haven't heard it, it's not it's not a very long album either. It's you know it's around just under forty minutes if I remember rightly. Um, yeah, really strong indeed. Uh, if you want to talk about getting your cranium battered in though, okay, grindcore album of the year, it's Hiss by Worm Rot. Of course it is. Of course yeah. it is. It is absolutely the grindcore album of the year. Um. He has left the band since the release of this album, uh, but Arif Rot's vocals are 
so impressive. I mean, for an extreme metal vocalist to go to so many facets of of extremity in the way that he does, whether it's those death metal guttural lows and barks or a tri- t- typical kind of grindcore yelp, I suppose you could say, black metal shrieks, everything. I mean, he runs the whole gamut of everything you'd want from a really, really, a really heavy album. But I then think the other two members, um, Rasid and Vijesh, uh, the guitarist and percussionist respectively, they hold it down in this just cacophony, this relentless barrage of noise that moves into so many different places. I mean, it's quite easy to think that extreme metal all sounds the same, but when you hear those flavours of death metal, black metal, then you get post metal, and then you even get those kind of more industrial moments that come in, I think it's a really, really, really impressive album that I've not been back to in full uh, week to week, but when, you know, because it is quite an undertaking, but, you know, more often than not, I will just put it on and basically just wait for the nightmare to end when we get to the end of Glass Shards. Absolutely brilliant. Lovely. Yeah, it's really good, this record. It is really, really good, and it's probably the best. I mean, I didn't really have anything that you'd consider extreme metal at all, and this would count, I guess, Backwash is the kind of closest thing to extreme metal I had in in my <laughs> album of the year list. I'm sure people will be going, well, that's nothing like extreme metal, and you're probably right, it's not really. Um, you know, I mentioned Venom Prison last week, and I mentioned vain fm but yeah not been a year that i'm particularly been bowled over by loads of extreme metal in fact i would say worm rock would be my favorite of all of them of all genres of death metal black metal deathcore Mm. whatever um that's definitely the best one definitely they uh yeah in terms of well in terms of the kind of broad umbrella for extreme i'd say they'd be uh probably my second but it's definitely the best grindcore album i've heard this year by quite some distance uh funny you should mention them my next one um an album that blew me away on first listen and continues to now um and as i say we've started with the fun bit we are very much sliding down the ladder of despair with this world is going to ruin you by vain fm oh nice absolutely love it i think you said you think it's better than Arizona. I think it is markedly better than Arizona. I feel like, you know, Arizona's a really, really strong debut album and it's chaotic and it's spiky and bratty and brash and violent and unpleasant. And I think this does all of those things um, to the nth degree, basically. I think Anthony DiDio's vocals, um, when he is going for his hardcore bark stroke shout or whatever, it's still so ferocious. Like, he sounds like he's chained up to a fence post because they're trying to keep him away from polite society or whatever he's just absolutely feral on something like the killing womb or versus wyoming but it's when you get to songs like magazine beach and particularly the finale funeral sound Mm -hmm. where it is clean vocals it's much more expansive it's them going uh, experimenting with a seriously different direction that you ever would have imagined they'd do when you were listening to virus vibrance on the previous record um I think this is absolutely amazing. I think this is one of the biggest sort of jumps in terms of creative quality for a metal band in quite a long time. Um, if you want to call them a metal band, I mean, they are a hardcore band, metallic hardcore, whatever you want to talk about. Um, I think Vane have played a blinder here. They've basically gone from... They've gone from whenever, uh, when forever comes crashing to not quite Jane Doe, but I think that it's it's a, a sizable leap, not... not um, incomparable 
yeah no you're right actually i think that's a pretty that is actually a pretty good comparison like i said it's harder to be like oh you know obviously people will bulk at that a little bit just because of the comparison to an album which is now you know a 20 year classic mm. classic classic record but um it's not the most insane thing i've ever heard anyone say so you know i i i rate it i'm a, I, I think it's a great record yeah man. um it was probably if i was going to pick something that was like just fucking super duper heavy you know i think that would that would be the end of the shout yeah the one yeah, yeah i think yeah. that would probably be the one yeah yeah and I'm, I'm surprised that it stayed with me for so long this year because i think you know that there are other heavy albums uh well the next sort of four that we'll go through as we enter into the top five there are other heavy albums that i think are more impressive and um yeah perhaps more sort of artistically gratifying but i think that vein album it's just i think it is really it's really cool to see them um experiment with these different forms and styles but still in a framework of absolutely ferocious gnashing your teeth hardcore and do it all in like 27 minutes as well have it i love yeah, it definitely fucking great speaking of heavy and experimental and broad um but not necessarily a seismic improvement uh his happiness shall come first even though we are suffering by backwash we talked about this last week we reviewed it not too long ago but um oh i struggle to i struggle to separate this from i lie here buried with my rings and my dresses i think they are on par in terms of how um bold they are how uh, striking they can be how backwash's lyrics can absolutely floor you some of the things that she says across the two records um and the experiences that she uh communicates and and the emotion therein it's really quite difficult listening and <laughs> it's probably harder to listen to what she is saying than the abrasive kind of industrialized music that comes in the background you know when you've got a song with uh kate from pupil slicer on it and she's the least kind of in your face ear shredding thing you know mm. that you're listening to some heavy heavy shit and i think backwash is um rounded out this trilogy of um of telling telling her story um superbly i mean as you were saying you know you interviewed her and mizaki i remember when we interviewed it saying that i thought it might be the best backwash song to date I stand by that. And you saying that she'd kind of revealed it as like the, the end credits to a film, that makes total sense. And it does feel like saying goodbye to a particular era of one of the most impressive and forward-thinking and challenging artists I've heard in heavy music in forever. I think she's played an absolute blinder here again. And to have um, Gay Guevara, Michael Goh coming in there, Morgan Page, Sense of Dialogue, Sadistic, all these different collaborators who all bring a different flavour that I think just <laughs> exaggerates quite how important backwash is to the the story that is being told across this trilogy. I think it's wonderful, and I know you agree. So, yeah, I, I really do. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's funny actually this one because I mean I didn't say this last week, but this got into my top twenty kind of quite late on because obviously it came out fairly late in the mm. year, and at first I was like, oh, you know, it's kind of more of the same, but with a couple of those extra bits in. And I listened to it more and I was like, no, nah, actually, like, this is fucking great. But I was like, but, you know, three years on the trot for Backwash. Do I really need to, like, stick another Backwash album in my top 20? And it's like, yes. well, yeah, because yeah. she's fucking amazing. She's mm. fucking brilliant. So I I back 
all the things that you have said sam and um i like i i'm like this type of music being embraced by heavy music by like metal and the metal culture and stuff and rock culture it it needs needs it needs to happen happen. yeah absolutely absolutely there's no reason no reason on earth why like i just i backwash is so fucking heavy yeah and And bad omens aren't (laughs) but uh, you know there have been plenty of discussions about what heaviness means and the thing is there is no arguing that backwash is not whether it's emotional heft uh through vocal delivery lyrical delivery or the actual sonics of what's going on it is just a neutron star collapsing in on you absolutely Mm. brilliant um Mm -hmm. I think this next one, well, outside of my top five, is the bleakest record that I have deigned to include in my top 20. Um, Comes off the back of uh, an album that I absolutely adored in 2018 uh, called Loved. I have selected Null by Ken Mode. Um, I don't think I have made any secret of my absolute adoration for noise, whether it's noise rock, noise metal, industrial stuff anything that's basically just soaked in feedback and horrible metallic production i absolutely love uh loved by ken mode was one of my favorite albums of the 2010s i thought it was staggeringly brilliant and it all started from seeing a picture of randy ortiz's um artwork for the record on a on a metal hammer article i believe it was that was introducing ken mode um via well via that artwork essentially um I hold that album really dear. It's exploration of kind of difficulties of mental health and stuff. So I was I was a little, not necessarily worried, but I didn't have my expectations super high for Noel that it would live up to the heights of Loved. Um, and I don't think Noel quite does that, but that's a very, very high bar. And I still think this album is absolutely fantastic. I think the introduction of Catherine Kerr, as as a full-time member to the band to bring in that discordant saxophone as well as extra percussion her haunting backing vocals and um some really nasty synth stuff particularly a song like the tie that is it's like uh debut album swans taken even further it is a song that wants to lock you into a small room and just torture you and then you get lost grip the 10 minute epic which i think is the absolute centerpiece of the record um yeah yeah Ken Mode have done it again. Um, I I did think maybe Love would be a bit of a one-off because I've listened to all other albums prior and it's like, I do really like these, but I don't quite gel with them in the same way that I do that record. And I don't think Noel's far off. I think it's my second favourite album from this band um, by quite a considerable distance, actually. Um, the the duo that is Jesse and Shane Matthewson, the vocalist and guitarist and percussionist, respectively, it's just absolutely punishing and they've got a companion album on the way next year i don't know if it is uh, another separate lp um it's going to be called void uh or if it is the kind of extra sessions from this but yeah i'm well in and i cannot wait for more ken mode um i i love this one yeah it's really good this album really really good um i've not listened to it much since then but because fuck me but um yeah I, i think it is a it's a very good record undoubtedly mm. a very very good record really yeah good. um yeah and to be honest uh, so when i was coming through my top 20 and everything i mean these are you know these are the albums that i have enjoyed most this year obviously because why would i lie about that but i am quite pleased to be able to 
um, <laughs> represent the heavy, horrible guitar side of what we do in amongst things like Gabriel's and Rina Sawayama. So that's fun. Mm. And I don't think it gets more impressive in terms of uh, a band's growth in the field of guitar music than They Fear Us by Ithaca. I think, mm-hmm. I, you know, probably don't need to hammer it home because you said it all last week. We said it all when we reviewed it way back when. The listeners clearly think so as well, being their favourite album of the year. I think the quantum leap between Language of Injury and this is unbelievable. I mean, when I said, you know, Vane is one of the one of the biggest leaps in terms of artistic invention and quality in heavy music in recent years, that pales in comparison to this. I think um, yeah. Jim Miller, an absolute superstar, um, saw her tweeting about the fact that she couldn't believe that her face was on the front cover of the latest uh, the final metal hammer of the year and it's like it fucking should be and it should <laughs> stay neither. it should <laughs> neither, to be fair but well yeah. yeah yeah but it fucking should be and it deserves to fucking stay there because Ithaca are one of the best bands this country has produced in this heavy hardcore mold I think um every single facet of it whether it's you know the production the songwriting ability uh yeah songwriting ability actually yeah definitely I think they've really improved on that as well and that's not to say that I didn't like the language of injury. I thought that was a staggeringly good debut. But a song like In the Way or The Future Says Thank You can still do that glitchy hardcore, but it does it with, I don't know, almost a sort of more of a sense of self-assuredness and sure-footedness, which gels with an entire point of the album, which is the members of this band confronting uh, inner demons and things that have plagued them over the last few years. I mean, particularly, you know, Jamila has been very open about her experiences that have informed this record. And then I think her and Sam Chet and Walsh's vocal duet on Hold Be Held at the end of the album is absolutely beautiful. That is, as as you said last week, um, one of the best songs to come from a UK band in guitar music this year. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great record. Such a great record. Yeah. Um, I think, I feel like everybody likes that. Yeah. I feel like Ithaca is the kind of great unifier this year. I feel like Mm. everyone who's heard it loves it, basically. And so they should, because Ithaca are wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So now we move on to the top five. As I said earlier, I feel like five through two, any of these could kind of fit in any position. I think they're incredibly difficult to separate um, because they are all incredibly distinct. So I have elected to do them just alphabetically. Now, the first one, uh, I'm pretty sure you haven't heard this, Steve, but you will have heard of it because um, I know you noted that quite a few listeners had uh, chosen it as one of their favourite albums of the year when you put out the call. Uh, Mm -hmm. Have you got around to listening to Hostile Architecture by Ashenspire? No. Okay, mate. Right. I think you... Well, I think you'll like this, but I think there is a very good chance you would absolutely hate it as well. (laughs) Isn't it a black? It's a black metal album, isn't it? Broadly, broadly, that is okay. that is one part of it. So I would say, I mean, just to do for those of you who haven't listened to black metal, I'll do a brief history of black metal for you now. It formed. It wasn't very good. Some of them discovered the cure. It got a bit better. The end. Yeah, there there's a brief. There's a brief history of black metal for you there, guys. There we go. Well, I would say this is the Glaswegian answer to the avant-garde black metal stylings of Aranti Pazuzu, with some of the post-metal extremity of Altar of Plagues the bizarre, obtuse depth of someone like Portal, the grandeur of something like Bitches Brew by Miles Davis, the poetry of Aidan Moffat, the political furor of a Zach Della Rocha, the, the kind of broad um, classical nature of 2010 Swans, 
and the dexterity of Imperial Triumphant, but they actually remember to write songs while they're taking from all those bands. So not like Imperial Triumphant. So not like Imperial Triumphant. But they, they <laughs> yeah. are as good at their instruments as that, definitely. Um, wow. It's a superbly complex and irate but decisively kind of incisive record. Um, the, it takes aim uh, ferociously at contemporary inequality. So the album's title, Hostile Architecture, referring to a lot of the anti-homeless architecture that has popped up in so many British cities over the last decade in, in particular. You know, anti-homeless spikes under bridges so that people can't have shelter in the cold when they've been forced yeah. out on the street. Lovely stuff. So not a cheerful album, as you can tell. Mm. Um, their, their lead vocalist, though, Alistair Dunn. So this is why I wouldn't necessarily call it a black metal album. I think that is a very small part of what they do because um, there are blast beats on it and there are wiry guitar lines and stuff. But his distinctive bark is not a black metal one. I would say he's able to carry so much, uh, such a range of emotions, broadly of kind of desperation, but it's either sort of desperately angry or actually despairing. He always does it in such a measured and purposeful way, though. It doesn't feel like he's losing the plot or anything. He's so driven. And that drive is that they are sort of violently wishing to stamp out um wealth inequality in the uk um he doesn't do black and shrieks he instead to my ear um occupies a space that's kind of somewhere between morose semi-spoken word and horse like razor-throated declarations he goes between a jazz coleman a jello biafra and any grindcore vocalist you wish to mention never screaming but just always absolutely just shouting his guts up alistair dunn's really fucking impressive Oh, wow, but, okay, cool. But the music that goes along with it as well, man, honestly. Um, it It's more taut and refined than their debut album, which was um, called Speak Not of the Laudanum Quandary in 2017, which sounds very, very black metal. I mean, that is a black metal mm. title, if ever you've heard one. Um, this one, though, it, it does adapt from those sort of like languishing and quite elongated passages, but it condenses them that li- just enough that it's it's more like a tortured kind of opera piece rather than feeling like a self-indulgent black metal wankathon or anything. Um, it's got that fiery intensity you would want from black metal, but it's got the mus- muscularity of post and it's got Wagnerian orchestration and bombast, discordant violins all over it, wiry saxophone. It's the best album this year I've heard that uses a hammered dulcimer. I can definitely tell you that. Um and it, you know, it, it, it takes as readily from freak out jazz as it does from metal. And in amongst that cavalcade of all these weird and disparate ideas that smash together, it still manages to have so many groovy, riffy hooks all the way through. I think the vocal hooks in particular uh, are the thing that have really connected with most audiences. Um, Alistair Dunn says on uh, there's a song called Apathy is Arsenic, Lethargy is Lead. Um there's this mantra that is we are the cult of work we are the cult of labor sold you get a line like no great men only the great many on tragic heroin and the one that i think everyone has heard and it comes towards the end of the opening track the law of asbestos the one that everyone has heard and it lets you know quite what the rest of this album is going to be like is this absolutely fantastic um howled um, line that is always three months to the gutter, never three minutes, uh, never three months to the peak. Um, I know your thoughts on kind of anti-fascist black metal. 
because generally it is enjoyed by people who are very, very sniffy about it. But, mate, I think you should listen to this. And if, if you hate yeah. it, I can only apologise. But there is so much more going on. It's not just Dawn Raid. Right, okay. Yeah. Well, mate, I mean, you know, I think um, I, broadly, as you'll probably be able to have told from my list from last week, I've not really been in the mood for this sort of thing. No, all year, no. All year, really. Uh, but I have heard that this is supposed to be really good. Mm. Really, really good. And it sounds like it's definitely, um, definitely worth a listen and it's got yeah. something a bit more sort of interesting um than you know uh i think like i said last week comparing black like comparing black metal like it's like comparing paul allen's cards yeah, yeah, yeah um in american psycho which is just like oh the the light the the lettering slightly raised they're completely different it's like well they're not really are they yeah and um and yeah and i but i might have a listen to this I might have a listen to this actually. Just, just, to, just it's a bit it's long in it. Is it like seventy-five minutes or something? No, no, it's about 40, 44 minutes. Oh, is it? Okay. Eight tracks oh, in forty-four good. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Good. Um, I don't want anyone to think just because when Sam says I know your thoughts on anti-fascist black metal, I just like that's more readers going, like, and stop enjoyers. being <laughs> stop being stop being anti-fascist. That's not what I mean. I just think um, what an odd. Uh, what What's an odd, an thing odd to dichotomy. Choose. Yes. Indeed. What an odd thing to choose something which is sort of born to be which is created to be yeah yeah why don't, if you want to be anti-fascist something why don't you go and make like a like a soul why don't you go and make a nice kind of soul pop album <laughs> and then you then you don't have to worry about all of those fascist people and they they can just sit in their stupid little corner uh in all the grit where no one apart from like five other people care about them but that's that's just that's just my opinion that's on it you, you make whatever music you like i guess you just like that music i suppose if you just really like that music then um i just you know i just think it's funny to create a, a completely uh to sort of go we're, we're gonna change the world with this music that everyone else hates do you know what i mean like this yeah. thing which will we're, we're gonna really change the perspective of the world we're gonna make society a better place by playing this incredibly niche type of music which sounds just like white aimless white noise to 99.9999999999% of people on the planet but that's just you that's just your opinion that's just my opinion <laughs> and the opinion of everyone from, else so. and the yeah. opinion of the rest of the world um, but you know um, but you know it, that's got nothing to do with this record which I haven't heard so I can't say anything about but it definitely does sound interesting I might listen to it um, probably not over Christmas no, don't no definitely don't do it over Christmas I'll, I'll remind you in the new year I reckon so. alright I yeah, obviously think he's you know, absolutely just gonna listen to just gonna listen to the Muppets Christmas Carol oh, soundtrack oh, over yeah, and over lovely, again. Lovely, yeah. lovely. Quite anyway. diametrically opposed to Ash Inspire's second album, I would say. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um uh this might be a bit close to the Muppets, uh although that feels like a massive slap in the face to the absolutely beautiful uh joint album of the year for Stephen Hill that is Angel in Real Time by Gang of Views, which I think is one of the most mm -hmm. arresting and fascinating albums I've heard ever. Like the story that David Lau Pepe tells across this album, which obviously you have covered extensively. You did a very long review and a very in-depth review of the album when it came out. You talked about it last week. So I don't want to tread this path. Uh, don't want to sort of go over it too much again. Cause I think there's nothing I can really add to it that I think hasn't already been said. But yeah, indie pop rock on the Angel of 8th Avenue, the most beautiful song of the year in Brothers. 
the best end to any album ever, like you say, goal of the century. The way that this story unfolds it, it is unbelievable. If if this was you know written just and released as a piece of fiction, you'd be like, it's a bit far-fetched. And the fact that it's been turned into this transportative, broad, beautifully crafted album um, is unbelievable. And I, I like yourself, mm. had not heard of Ganga Use before this year, and well, until you reviewed this album, basically. Um, so thank you for that, because this is staggeringly brilliant. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Such a good record. Um, Yeah, any... Well, yeah, go on, sorry. I just was about to go into it then, but... No, you I've go for already, it. I've already, I've already done it, haven't I? I've already yeah. done it. It, um, is, it is amazing. It is yeah. just an amazing, excellent, excellent record. I, I And like I say, I love it. It was um, always going to be right up there when yeah. I came to my albums of the year. And I just, I just think it is, yeah, proper fucking proper great proper mm. proper great it, uh, yeah an absolutely amazing tour de force of a, 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 a an emotional journey of an album i think it's absolutely brilliant and i don't i just don't feel that there's much more i can say that hasn't already been said about how wonderful it is if you haven't listened to it my god do yourself a favor it's fucking mm. great mm. um my next one is the surprise of the year so in 2008 I was on holiday with my dad in Barcelona. I remember one afternoon we went back to the um, hotel room that we were in and I was just stuck on the telly while he had a little nap. And the only thing that they had was German MTV. And I saw these four fat blokes uh, standing in a room broadly using kind of oxygen masks and stuff like that while they were struggling to get through a song. That was the day I discovered Rammstein. Oh, wow. Yeah. The the band in this list that I have had the longest standing relationship with, I've been listening to them for half my life. Most of which uh, they haven't spent, most of that time they've not been releasing albums. When their untitled album came out in 2019, I'd say it's one of the biggest sort of musical disappointments I've ever had. I don't think it's a bad album, but after a decade of expectation really? and waiting for it, it's, it's my least favorite Rammstein album. I think Deutschland obviously is amazing and that has now become a signature iconic song mm. for them. I think Puppa is brilliant. Everything mm. else I can kind of take or leave off that record. Everything really? else. Yeah, even Auslander. Auslander. Even Radio. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I can take or leave them, man. So when it was announced that Ramstad had another album on the way, I did think, uh, well, maybe, I ju maybe I'm just not that bothered by Ramstein anymore. Maybe I've outgrown the need for Ramstein. But Zeit came along Um and I'd, I'd heard some buzz uh, from a friend of mine um, who was reviewing it for another podcast. And he said, mate, you're going to absolutely love this. And I said, oh, yeah. And he said, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there are these tracks. They're kind of broadly about this. You you are going to absolutely love it. If if I didn't have an NDA, that, you know, that I couldn't technically be even talking about it, I would absolutely try and describe it in more detail, maybe even send it to you. It's like, well, don't do that. Don't ruin your own kind of credibility by doing that so i waited up i waited up until midnight on the thursday night moving into uh the friday of april the 29th to listen to zeit for the first time this is my second favorite rammstein album is it really second wow. second to butter obviously i think this is gold standard rammstein i think there are eight of the 11 tracks that i never want to leave their set list and that would be the title track Giftig, Zigzag, Malatrenen, Angst, Dickertitten, Lugan, and Adieu. Oh my God, that's nine. Uh, leave out, uh, leave out Angst. Those eight, I think they're all 
fucking superb. I think the choruses on this, it is the best Till has sounded uh, on a Ramstein album since um, since Riser Riser, probably since Mutter, to be honest. I think yeah. his characterization going from the more sort of morose and the more, I mean, pared back and measured Ramstein material, um, such as the title track Zeit and um, a song like Minor Trenin, which I think is the best Ramstein chorus uh that's not on mutter basically i think this album is absolutely brilliant and it does still go for the more playful end of what they're doing with a song like dick a tit and that has become a meme <laughs> now but it's so good i mean a eurovision like umpar band break in the middle of it absolutely mm. fantastic it is so spectacularly ludicrous and the use of auto-tune on two songs on here as well everyone points out on lugan people don't people haven't really highlighted the fact that there's a fair bit of auto-tune on gifted as well in the choruses of that but I never thought in a million years that I'd love a Ramstein album again, let alone for it to be bothering the, the top end of my albums of the year. But I think Zeit is, it's, yeah, the best Ramstein album since 2001. Which, Bloody hell. Yeah, I absolutely adore it. I know every single word to every single song of this album already. And I don't, you know, and I only speak kind of quite broken German after finishing my A-levels 10 years ago. But yeah um it's it's the least sort of artistically impressive album that i've included in this list but i love it so much um my top six songs on apple music this year are all from this album it is the thing i've listened to more than anything this year wow fucking hell i did i had no idea i mean i know you like ramstein most yeah. people like ramstein ramstein are really good um but yeah fucking hell i didn't know that i mean that's that's cool it's, I haven't really gone back to it, to be honest. Yeah, man. Um, I, I you have said that before because I've obviously said like, oh yeah, yeah, Ramstein album of the year and everything, jokingly, but it's fucking high. Like I, you know, depending on the day, that could be my second favorite of the year, or it could be the next one, or or Gang of Youth, or Ash Inspire. You know, I think um, yeah. I just absolutely love it. I'm so surprised. I'm I'm beside myself with joy that Ramstein have have got back into my good books again after after you know, let's say. I waited a decade for that Untitled album and then I was absolutely crushed by how little I enjoyed it. So, yeah, this is a uh, young Sam is very happy. I'm glad, mate. I'm I'm really glad. I mean, I, I, I think it's really good. I just haven't listened to it that much, to be honest. I, it came out and I was like, great. And then I just, you know, I did. I, it, but it is good. It's definitely better than. Uh, yeah, I think it's better than the definitely better than the Untitled one. Yeah. I don't really. After that, I, I mean, I'd have to sort of have a proper think about it, but. Yeah, I think it is better. I think it is better. I think, but the you know some of the highs on the the last one are really really high. But yeah, it's not a great album overall. No, no. Um, whereas, yeah, I think this is a much better record. Yeah, in I, full, like I, a much better kind of full listening experience for sure. I'd say it's yeah remarkably consistent and consistently of a very very high standard for Ramstein, who I do think are brilliant songwriters. They write massive bombastic pop. I mean, I. <sighs> don't know if you'll even call them a metal band these days they write just like stadium mm. rock songs and they're fucking excellent at it and i absolutely love it and um obviously a lot of people are wondering if it's going to be the final rammstein album you know with all the sort of allusions to um the inevitable passage of time and the final song being called adieu i remember talking to this mate of mine uh and saying i don't think this is the end for them i think they sound more fired up than they've been for for ages i think this sounds way more kind of energized than the previous album i think this is it's the start of the last chapter of ramstein but i i don't think it will be their final record 
and they, they have said that Adieu is not referring to themselves. It's referring to um, a friend of the band who passed away under quite tragic circumstances. So um, we'll see. We'll see. Mm. I mean, I don't want them to go anytime soon, but I mean, it's kind of a no. lose-lose, isn't it? Because it's either, well, no. I could, I could definitely win because it's like I could be absolutely right and we get more Ramstein albums, which is great. Or I'm wrong and they do split up and then I'll be like, oh, shit. Well, you know, fuck it. But yeah, a wonderful one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to see him live a few more times at least before they split up. Oh, mate, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I, you know, just not with people fighting around me. That'd be, that's all right. <laughs> Ideally, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping there won't be much fighting at the uh, Berlin Olympic Stadium that I'm going to go and see him at next year. Ooh. Mm, a little name drop there. A clang. Clang Berlin. Berlin. Good mates in Berlin. Yeah. The band taking your breath away. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I'm just... Just joining in, just chit chatting. We're chit chatting, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the the last album that is not my album of the year, I think everyone saw it come in. It's a uh, Soul Glow Diaspora Problems. It is Soul Glow Diaspora yeah. Problems. I mean, I think by any conceivable sort of you know metric in terms of in whatever way you enjoy music, in whether you want it to be, um, you know intricate and challenging or abrasive and oppressive or you want it to just be songs that you can bang your head to and sing along to i mean you get all of that on here sometimes within tracks i mean gold chain punk who gonna beat my ass as the opening track of this album is just unbelievable and pierce jordan's vocal delivery across it i mean you know he can do that (coughs) hr screaming squall that punk snarl and then you get dripponomics where he can go for the more sort of hip-hop stuff and hold his own against mother mary rose he's as much an mc as he is a lead singer Gigi guerra's guitars so overdriven and yet so precise that doesn't it's an album that's so well produced that it doesn't lose any of its impact through uh, over exposure or distortion or anything like that you can hear every single thing that's going on i think tj stevenson's percussion particularly on something like fucked up if true or jump or get jumped by the future a breakneck pace absolute breakneck pace and then you get something like spiritual level of gang shit at the end which manages to blur the boundary between well hardcore and a bit of hip-hop and stoner rock and metal it's absolutely brilliant um i feel like again probably not one i need to see loads more about because i think you've probably all heard about soul glow a lot this year but um yeah it's wonderful that's probably probably my number two actually yeah it is really good yeah i mean like i said last week yeah it, it is really good so yeah dead good uh which brings us to your number one sam number one album of the year yeah uh, uh you may have already heard quite a lot about this album this year but for me, from the first day that I heard this album, listening to it, uh, uh, the first time I listened to it was while I was setting up the pub at work. So I don't feel like I gave it my full attention. And it is an album that really demands your attention because it is uh, a really difficult listen, compositionally, uh, in terms of its execution, its delivery, not so much its production. You know, it's quite a pleasant listen in that respect. But lyrically, I don't think I've heard an album as captivating and as nakedly confessional as Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers by Kendrick Lamar, which is absolutely my album of the year. Um, Mm -hmm. From the United in Grief, the way it opens with that short gospel choir sort of refrain at the beginning, 
and then rattles through so many different polyrhythmic techniques for Kendrick's flow and delivery. And it doesn't let up that first album, uh, the first disc, I suppose, as it were, the big stepper side of it. The way it explores all of the nasty things that Kendrick has, has done and that he owns up to doing and the beliefs he holds that are unsavory and the way he has treated people, the way he's reacted to people, you know, um, the way he's exploited people even in his kind of meteoric ascent as one of the biggest stars on the planet. And then the almost about turn as we go between Purple Hearts and Count Me Out, where it does give you all that autobiographical information, that resolution and explanation as to all the things that he's done. And that repentance, which, you know, is it's been a big theme in his music for quite a long time as, you know, he's been very open about his um, devout Christian faith, essentially. And I do see the amount of religious sort of iconography that runs through this album but he's never making himself a martyr i think it's a really powerful and brave staggeringly brave step for the biggest and most respected artist on the planet to bear his soul in a way that no one ever has and as you quite rightly said last week um i mean when you get to mother eye sober with beth gibbons at the end i mean as a narrative conclusion to Kendrick's story to this point I I have never heard a more powerful statement it is the best song of the year it might be my favorite song I've heard this decade so far as a single song but that song only holds that power if you endure the kind of the the difficult subject matter of what has come before it that he does not shy away from um his own shortcomings in in delivering but instrumentally and in terms of his performance I think it is it's not my favorite Kendrick album yet, but it might be. But um, I mean, it's it's not quite there with To Pimp a Butterfly, but I think this is already easily, um, easily preferable to Damn and Good Kid Mad City for me. I think um, Kendrick has proved himself the most important artist of his generation with this album. I, I, I don't have a bad word to say about any second of this record. Yeah, it's a really good point, actually, that you've made regarding... Um, Mother I Sober and how you experience it because in isolation it's phenomenal yeah within the context of the record it's just generation defining yeah it's yeah. just unstoppable um, yeah man I mean again like I said it all last week and I've sort of said it quite a lot throughout the last like year or so uh, I wondered it's funny actually going back to before it came out because obviously it was Riot Act, and I was like, oh, well, I want to review the new Kendrick when it comes out. And I didn't really, I still don't think Damn is amazing. I think Damn is my least favourite of his yeah. major label stuff, definitely. Yeah. And I think, you know, like, because um, I remember hearing him back on, the first, uh, the first time I ever heard Kendrick Lamar was on the song YOLO by the Lonely Island, right? With was Adam it really? From Maroon 5. So that Blimey. was like the first time I ever heard him. So that was like 2010, 2011. And yeah, I was like, he just got one one verse in it. And I was like, that that's a really good verse. That's a really cool verse in that song. Like in amongst his stupid song, that's a really cool verse from that guy. And I was like, oh, he's good. But then I just thought, well, you know, is he going to be like T-Pain or something like what? And then as the sort of critical mass grew, but you know, particularly from To Pimp a Butterfly, 
being so deeply into metal and going, mm. well, no, fuck, I am going to listen to this and just being blown away by it. Yeah. Just like, holy shit, this is fucking incredible. And then waiting for Damn and being like, oh, it's not quite as good. And I sort of thought, well, you know, maybe just one of those dudes who had like an album. I mean, a masterpiece in him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that one masterpiece. And I think like actually, to be fair, you know, I, 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 st- I probably might, even though I love this record, uh, is it, do I prefer Good Kid, Mad City? It's just different. It's just very different. Although I think this, yeah. is, a, this is a thematic sequel. I do feel like this is some sort of thematic sequel. I think it goes further than Good Kid, Mad City into similar spaces. Mm. Um, I do remember kind of putting this on for the first time and going, I wonder what we're going to get. Yeah, where is and this going to go? Sort of, yeah, like, you know, because I, I, this could have been, I mean, I, it wouldn't have been the end of Kendrick Lamar because he would be too big, really, even if this was kind of a shit, like Drake's put out loads of shitty albums. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it's not harmed his popularity at all. But I did think to myself, like, I kind of feel like he needs to um, step up again from Dan. And I did need think to make to myself, a statement. Like, yeah. For, forget forget good uh forget um to pimp a butterfly but if he can kind of at least match good kid mad city and i mean there's me going on oh, i'm not sure that he has but like he he, it's such an insane the, the quality of this record is mm. just so insanely high insanely in, insanely ridiculously high like that yeah first time i put it on as well i do remember just being like holy shit yeah holy I mean- shit I mean, as I say, I was I was I was at work and I was like, I'm definitely not giving this the attention it deserves. So by the time I got home and finished my shift, it was like, right, let's sit down and just listen to this. And it was like, fuck me, this is going to take some time. This is going to take some some effort as well. Well, this is not it's not a pleasant album to listen to for the most part, even though there are you know kind of nice factors to it in in the production, uh, particularly on the second half. But I mean, some of the things he says are genuinely shocking. Like, shocking there like, completely some horrible shocking. stuff that he says particularly on that first yeah. half like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um but i think it, but, it's such a bold statement album. yeah such a bold statement I mean, from the greatest artist in the world alive today nice well there you go um essentially i think what you can glean from this is that <laughs> we like the Kendrick same music mm, and that that is our collective true cult pop album of the year good so um We'll be back. We can have a little Christmas surprise for you in a few days. So you look out for that. That's our review of 2022. It's been good. Sam, is there any albums or songs or anything that you haven't shouted out from this year that you've just gone, shit, I should have said that and you haven't? You've got any at all off the top of your head that you want to go? Oh, oh by the way, that's good in case you've missed it. Oh, uh, well, I know people won't have missed it, but actually one that I did kind of want to get into my honourable mentions. Uh, Chat Pile in God's Country. I love yes, Noise Rock. Someone, that needs to be in yeah. there. Yeah. Okay, um, I'm just going to say one that I haven't mentioned and I was like, I I didn't know which song to pick, so I didn't and it didn't quite, it would have been just outside my top kind of 30, I guess. Um, no Oblivion by No Devotion. Who oh, yeah, 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 that was fantastic. Um, tour dates recently and that is really, really good if you like uh, the kind of electro pop stuff and um, shoegazy stuff, what we both like. Anyway, thanks very much, guys. Go to patreon.com forward slash pop and we'll be there for you with a load of exclusive content. And if not, we'll see you another time. Look out for us on Christmas morning. We might have left you something. See you later.